you're listening to episode one of the Calm Creative Podcast. Let's do this. How do you make a living on your art while staying sane in the process? How do you conquer your fears and find your voice and live a deeply creative life in a world that's stressful and full of distractions? I'm Louise. I'm an artist, writer, and creative solopreneur. And this is the Calm Creative Podcast, a show about the creative life and its many ups and downs and joys and anxieties. Join me as I dive deep into all of the various challenges we creatives face today and explore ways to overcome them so that we can thrive and do our best work. Well, hello, hi, <laughs> and welcome to the very first episode of this show. I am so excited to be here. I mean, the thrill of starting something new, the thrill of being small, I felt the same way when I started my YouTube channel. I know a lot of people don't like being small and insignificant and having no viewers, no followers, but I actually loved it. <laughs> I loved putting out videos and knowing that very few people are gonna see my embarrassing first attempts at being a YouTuber. And it's kind of the same with this podcast. In this first episode, I thought I would just introduce myself and tell you a little bit of my story and how I arrived here and also why I'm starting this podcast and what you can expect from it. So I was very creative as a kid and I don't think I'm unique in that way. I think most kids are creative, but I was lucky enough to grow up in a family and a household that was also very creative, full of creative people. And I felt very inspired and encouraged. And my creativity was enabled in various ways, whether that was musically or artistically, you know, with drawing and painting and being taken to dance classes and theater classes and all of that. I was very lucky to have all that. And maybe that's the difference between a creative kid that also grows up to be creative and a creative kid that maybe doesn't maintain their creativity as they get older. I think there's a lot of nurture in, in that. So anyways, I was lucky to have my creativity nurtured from a very young age. I went to music um, grade school or whatever you would call it. I'm Swedish, by the way. I don't think I've mentioned that anywhere, but... <laughs> If you hear an accent, it's my Swedish accent. I try to hide it as best I can, but yes, I'm Swedish. I'm born in Stockholm, um, currently living on the countryside a bit north of Stockholm. So kind of smack dab in the middle of the country with my longtime partner. Yeah, so I went to a music school from, I think, like age nine or ten, all the way up through high school and graduating at age 18 or 19. I don't really remember, but so yeah, I'm musically schooled from from the beginning. I discovered the piano very early and that's sort of my first creative love in a way is music and playing the piano and I also started singing during high school. 
and playing the mouth organ is that wow really do you really call it a mouth organ uh harmonica <laughs> anyway i i played a lot of musical instruments i tried the drums i tried the guitar i tried the pan flute and most musical instruments that i could get my hands on so that's sort of where i started out creatively and uh, as i entered my 20s i <laughs> I like to call them my hustle years because that's essentially what I did all throughout my 20s. I worked in all manner of jobs you can think of. I learned how to be a grown-up and I was pretty miserable a lot of the time with the exception of one year in acting school which was heaven and three years in college getting a bachelor's degree in game design because yes I'm a nerd. Video games has always been a passion of mine ever since I got my first Nintendo as a kid. And so I graduated from college and I realized that being employed was still going to suck even if it was at a game studio. And around here is when I realized that I was a highly sensitive person because I had serious trouble coping with like morning commutes in the city open office plans, fluorescent lights, and talking on the phone a lot, and sitting in one place for eight hours a day. I seem to have way more trouble with that than other people. And, you know, sensitivity is a topic for another episode, or maybe several episodes, because it's a trait that's shared by so many of us creatives. And it's a topic very near and dear to my heart. Realizing that I was a highly sensitive person made me feel a bit better because now I knew that there was not really anything wrong with me. It was just a genetic trait and there were others like me, quite many others like me in fact, and I just had to find workarounds and ways of playing the cards that I was dealt. I solved that problem by becoming a freelancer so that I could work from home on my own terms and not get depressed and exhausted. And the only skill that I felt that I could monetize at that time was writing because I had, I had done a lot of writing up to that point. So I taught myself how to do freelance writing and I started writing articles for magazines about a bunch of different topics, just anything that interested me. And I also started doing web design uh, because I built a lot of websites for myself. <laughs> and so I started offering that as a service too. I befriended an entrepreneur and we co-founded a startup together and I did that for <laughs> several years. I started a blog, I started several blogs, I built my first online businesses and during all this time I was of course very creative. I wrote a lot, I brainstormed business ideas and product ideas, I even managed to play a little bit of piano sometimes and painted the odd painting. Still, I didn't really feel that creative. I mostly just felt like I was hustling, you know, trying to get by, trying to pay the rent and get some kind of security in my life. I wanted to write novels, actually, but just the thought of sitting down and doing that when I had freelance deadlines or other activities that I could do that would make me money instantly it felt like sitting down to write in a house that was on fire I just I couldn't focus and that feeling of being chased and under pressure 
it just continued to grow and it got worse and worse until in my early 30s I slowly fizzled out and eventually burned out. I no longer found any of my work fun or meaningful. I could barely make rent and pay my bills. <laughs> Luckily we had recently moved from the big city to a smaller town and then from that town to a house on the countryside which did a lot for my mental well-being and significantly decreased our expenses. So that helped, but, you know, then the pandemic hit. This was in 2020, and I had to admit to myself that I couldn't go on like this, pretending like I was on the right track in life, because I clearly wasn't. I was just clueless about what I could do instead. It took me, like, two months of gardening and baking bread and knitting sweaters to get out of the panic mode that I was in, obsessing about my survival and making money and being independent. And I want to add a note here that I am in a long-term stable relationship with someone who does have a regular good paycheck. So I was extremely lucky and privileged to have my basic needs met. I don't know what I would have done otherwise. But I still panicked about my survival because I had crippling anxiety issues. So I took a few months to calm down and allow myself to not obsess about making money. And then I started painting. Just out of the blue. And I painted a lot, like every waking hour some days. I painted because I could finally legitimize doing it just for pleasure, with no particular goal in mind. Because up until then, I always struggled to allow myself to do anything creative unless I could make a career out of it or make money. And more so since I knew that the vast majority of jobs would burn me out, because it always had before, the few times that I had tried working a, a job. It never lasted more than a few months before I would crash. So doing something creative with no career goals or pressures attached to it, it felt impossible and almost kind of forbidden. During this time, art became my safe space, my happy place, and something that I could immerse myself into and forget about all the stress and worries and anxieties, like what I would do with the rest of my life. I would just go into my room and put on some calming music and light some candles and draw and paint for hours. I did a lot of abstract art in the beginning and that was therapeutic because I could release the pressure to make my art look accurate or good enough. I could be more experimental and like meditative, just put some watercolor on a page and blow it around with a straw, that kind of thing. It removed a lot of the blocks that I had had around art, such as feeling like I had to quickly get good at it if I was to have any value at all, and that I had to compete with all of the other artists online, which is an exhausting and depressing thought in today's day and age when we're exposed to so much amazing art from all over the world. Since I finally had some time off, I felt that I was allowed to to suck at art. I was allowed to be a beginner and this was when I got really passionate about learning art skills. I started following lots of art YouTubers and watching their speed paints and tutorials. I did a lot of Skillshare classes 
and was just really, really practicing every day. And I freaking loved it. I was addicted to it, to that feeling of figuring out how to draw something a bit better or how to get watercolor to do what I wanted it to do. It was an exploration process. And I think because I approached this huge task of improving at art with such a relaxed attitude as compared to my previous attitude of get better fast or else, I actually did improve very quickly. So the more time that I spent painting and being in this happy place, the bigger the contrast became to what I had done before. I just couldn't see myself going back to that, back to writing, freelancing, sitting in front of a screen, constantly hunting for clients. And that's often the case with burnout too. I've heard that people rarely manage to go back to the same place that made them sick. And I guess it can be the same for self-employed people. Making art energized me and it lifted me up. And I wanted to feel that good all the time. But I was a writer in my head. I had always been a writer and that was my identity. And I couldn't just leave that behind and become this artist person. I felt like I wasn't allowed to. And it took a lot of self-convincing and support from my loved ones to make me feel like it was actually possible and that I was allowed to pursue a new career at 37 at the time, which is something that you constantly read about other people doing, but somehow you don't think it's okay for you to do that, which is really weird. But anyways, I decided that I would remake myself into an artist and that completely shifted the way that I feel and the way that I do things. I have lots of energy. I'm excited about the future. My career-related anxieties are mostly gone and I'm no longer afraid to put myself out there. I'm willing to do things that I'd never even considered before, such as starting a YouTube channel and a podcast. I mean, as an introverted super camera shy person convinced that I wasn't a natural talker, this is the last thing that I would ever imagine myself doing. Which just goes to show that you can overcome those things with the right motivation. Again, a topic for another episode. I feel like I can be myself in my work and my profession now and that I don't have to fit some mold or behave in a certain way to be taken seriously because I'm not a serious person. It never suited me to be like businessy and professional and salesy. And I think that's the key. If you find what lights you up and allows you to be the most you, you can find a way to make that your career. It will remove so much friction. I'm not saying that it's easy or quick and that it will solve all of your problems, but it sure as hell makes for a more enjoyable ride than if you do what I did. Staying in a situation where you don't feel happy and don't feel like you can be yourself. And a creative career is not for everyone, of course. There are lots of creative people, spectacular people with regular 9-to-5 jobs who just love it that way. And I often wish I could be like that. I would love a regular paycheck and some colleagues and not having to hustle and wear all the hats and do all of the things. Art as a career is not for everyone, but I guess for, for those of us who feel like we have no other option but to try to make a living off of our passion, our creativity, our personality, it's the only way 
Which sort of brings us nicely into the next topic, which is this podcast and why I'm starting it. Three reasons. Number one, I'm curious. <laughs> this is the only type of content that I have not tried making yet, and so I'm curious. I don't know if this is going to be my thing. So far, I love it, but we'll see, you know? There's no shame in trying something and then realizing that it's not for you. That's the only way to find out, right? Number two is that I I had a bit of a crisis moment a few weeks ago, and I, I sat down with my journal, and I wrote about my sort of my values for the way that I want to operate in the world. And I wrote down four, four of these values. The first one being quality over quantity. It's something that I've always felt myself gravitating towards, both in the way I create content and also in the way that I would like to serve. I would rather serve a small group of friends in an intimate and deep way then go viral and attract a huge crowd of mildly interested people. I quit Instagram for this reason because I felt like I'm producing all of this content and I'm getting very little back for it. And it's just not the way my brain works. My brain likes long form content. <laughs> uh, and so that's, that's how I want to create content and that's the way that I want to build an audience. And then the second value is slow productivity. This is something that one of my idols, Cal Newport, talks a lot about. He wrote a book called Deep Work that changed my life. And he's also written a book called Digital Minimalism. And I highly recommend both of them. And he talks a lot about slow productivity. I don't want to have to burn myself out to create content. Uh, I want to make fewer pieces of content but better pieces of content and I want to still have time left in my week to actually be creative to actually paint and play piano and sing and dance and whatever it is that I want to do and then the third value is ethical content creation valuing myself and other people's time and attention span it's not in accordance with my values to have most of my income dependent on other people's time and attention being exploited. I am not a fan of surveillance capitalism, which is a term that I learned recently while reading a book called Stolen Focus by Johanna Hari. Surveillance capitalism. It's the way most platforms work today. Our time and attention are being exploited by advertisers and companies and politicians. I don't really want to create content in an environment like that. And I want to offer alternatives to people where they don't feel manipulated and exploited and constantly interrupted and distracted and sold to. And then the fourth one is no middlemen. I want a direct line of communication with you, at least as far as that's possible. I don't want to be dependent on these huge tech companies and their rules and algorithms and whims. I don't want to be censored and I don't want like gatekeepers in the way deciding how many people see my, my stuff. I want to own my own content and the access to my audience. So a podcast is more in line with my values than, for example, YouTube. 
is what I realized. And even though I still love creating videos and I will probably continue publishing videos on YouTube, there are many benefits of podcasts over videos. I feel like it's a more calming and focus-friendly format than video or even reading nowadays. I crave more depth than is possible on YouTube because video, while it's, I mean, it's highly engaging, you can actually see the person and I know that has value, but video demands so much of you as a viewer. It demands like your full attention. <laughs> you can't do anything else at the same time, or at least you shouldn't <laughs> do anything else at the same time. And that puts insane demands on video creators. It puts a lot of pressure on us. And I feel like my attention span is really being damaged right now. And YouTube and Instagram have been like the major culprits of that in a way. I feel like I have, I have a harder time reading books and I have a really hard time focusing on one thing for an extended period of time, like watching a movie or watching an episode of a TV show, just watching a YouTube video for like 10 minutes and not click away, not do other things on the side. And I can't be the only one who experiences this, who feel like their attention is just constantly being pulled in all directions. And it's, it's stressful, <laughs> to be honest. It's really stressful. And I don't feel that way when I listen to podcasts, at least not yet. <laughs> this feels like the, the final refuge where we can have long, deep conversations and not be interrupted. And that's also one of the major reasons that I, I will never have ads on this show. I will never have ads. I will never have sponsored messages because a lot of the podcasts that I love don't have that. And that's partly why I love them, because I can lie in bed or I can lie in a bath and listen to them. And I know that I won't be interrupted and I won't have to fast forward past some awkward sounding, really high energy ad for something that I'm not interested in. So that's my promise to you. I won't read ads <laughs> to you and I won't take sponsors on. I will find other ways to finance this. And the third reason why I'm starting a podcast is that this scares me. <laughs> it's a form of exposure therapy and a way to push myself out of my comfort zone, which I, I did when I started my YouTube channel, but now I'm sort of grown more comfortable with that. And I'm a lot better at talking now than I was before I started my channel. But it's, it's a big difference talking from a script for like a 10 minute video and sitting here talking for maybe half an hour, 40 minutes without a script. It's a big difference. And I'm kind of scared of that. I'm scared of speaking freely from the heart with no plan. And I have intimacy issues and I am terrified of like connecting deeply with people. I have family and I have my partner and I have a few really close friends, but I am an introvert. So, I mean, there's nothing out of the ordinary really, but I, I really feel like I miss having more friends and starting a podcast is a way to make that a natural side effect of content creation, because I do want to interview people on this show. And, and I do want to hear from you guys. I, I am officially inviting you to send me send me questions, send me voice messages. 
there should be a link in the podcast episode description and also in the show notes where you can send an email to me or send in a voice message and I will I will play those on my show and I will respond to them. I really long for community and connection and friendship. I'm terrified by it and I long for it at the same time and I want this to be like a show that we create together, a community that we create together and a place where we can help and hold each other. There are so many fears and obstacles for us to overcome in order to to be creative and to put our stuff out there, to show ourselves and use our voice and show our art to people. And whatever it is that you're doing, whatever your practice, it's likely very challenging on a regular basis, on a daily basis. And I want my podcast to be a safe space to to talk about everything that we're scared of and talk about solutions, talk about ways to handle and work with our fears, work in spite of our fears. So my plans and dreams for this show is to give more of myself and my stories and my experiences, my insights, my knowledge in a format that I both love creating and consuming and I want to connect more with you and with other creatives I think that is it for this first episode I I hope you liked it I hope you feel like you know me a bit better and you know what to expect from this podcast for me it's been sort of like a way to clear my throat and get used to this whole thing <laughs> this process I'm gonna put show notes for all of my episodes on my website and there should be a link to that in the podcast description text and in the show notes i will put like links to all of the stuff that i mention and or talk about and if you want to get the show notes via email you can subscribe to them by going to my website and joining my email list thank you so much for listening and i'll see you in the next episode